0: It's the next level. Hmm? Ah. Oh. This cross was worn by my brother Yemi. Yemi was a great man, a priest, a man of God. And because I betrayed him, he was shot and died. He was placed on a plane which took off from an airstrip in Nigeria, half a world from here. Then the plane that I was on crashed on this island. And somehow, here, I found my brother again. I found him in the same plane that took off from Nigeria, in the same plane that lies above us now, that has concealed this place. And I took this cross from around Yemi's neck and put it back on mine. Just as it was on the day I first took another man's life. So let me ask you, how can you say this is meaningless?
1: Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost, Revisited. I am one of your hosts, Ben
2: Beck. And I am your other host, Kristen Howe. This episode, we continue on approaching to the end of season two. This time, we are covering season two, episode 21.
1: I was waiting to see if you were going to do it. I'm so glad you did.
2: (laughs) Or question mark? Let's be boring.
1: <laughs> yes, whatever, whatever way you want to do it. I'm so glad you did it that way, though, because the whole time you're approaching like the name of the episode, I'm like, is she gonna do it? Is she gonna do it? Is she gonna do it? Of course, I
2: am. Dumped him, the toolman <gasps> Taylor. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I love that. Was good. I, I,
1: I loved that show, so I've done that impression many times.
2: So our friend Jill, she hi Jill. I know she's listening. She just texted me earlier today, and she said, "I heard you talking about." The title of this episode last week, and she said it got me on watching old episodes of Home Improvement, and so <laughs> she, I guess it was on TV, like on repeat or something like that, and she said, I spent a couple of hours just watching Home Improvement.
1: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That is still, to this day, one of my all-time favorite sitcoms.
2: It's a good show. I actually have a fun story about that show. You want to hear it before we get Not started? At all. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Go
1: for it. No, just go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, let's
2: go on. <laughs> all right, um, Dick. So my dad's wife used to work for Disney and she worked on the studio lots. And when I was a kid and home improvement was really hot and everybody loved Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryan and the other kid, um, I was like roaming around on the back studio lots of Disney. And I ran into Zachary Ty Bryan and we played basketball for like an hour. And, it was really fun. He was really a really nice guy. And I said, or kid, I guess. And, uh, and he said, Oh, do you want to come hang out with us? And I said, I'm not allowed to hang out with strangers. I have to go back. And he goes, I'm not exactly a stranger. And I was like, But you kind of are. And so all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor Thomas comes out of the studio and he has a big armful of books. He goes, Zach, Zach, we got to go to tutoring. And I look at him, I'm like, Hey, <laughs> and he goes hi, and he turns around and he walks inside. Like I don't have time for you. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm I'm just blown away by your JTT impression that you just did in there.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently,
1: I've got Tim, but Zachary Ty Bryan.
2: I was convinced. I was convinced that Zachary Ty Bryan and I were like super good friends after that for a
1: really long. Time. Did you know who he was at the time? Or was of he course, just I did. Okay, I don't know because when you said I'm not allowed to hang out with strangers, I would have thrown out that thrown that out the door.
2: Oh, if I had gone into the studio and gone missing on the studio lots, I would have gotten in big trouble.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's true.
2: So I've stayed outside invisible because I, as a kid, was very afraid of getting into trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a fun Anyways, story. That's though. my I'm home jealous. improvement story. Yeah, <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm very jealous.
2: So ah, I've been good. trying to
1: get I've been trying to get Tim on my uh, my spotlight podcast, and I actually know somebody who used to know him and still talks to him every once in a while. So she's been trying to work it. But, you know, between, all you know, all the Toy Story 4 stuff lately and, you know, mm-hmm. not just recording, but promoting and everything. He's just been incredibly busy. So hopefully sometime maybe over like the next year or two, I'll be able to uh, to actually have him on, which would be fun. Cool. So very cool. Uh, just a couple things, obviously a couple points of order before we progress into the episode, uh, podcasts are, uh, spoiler full. Uh, we do talk a lot about the past of the show as well as the future, as I'm sure it's probably going to come up even in this episode. It does every episode we talk about the future. So if you're watching, oh, it through will. The, yeah, if you're watching through the first time with us, uh, if this is your first watch through the series, we apologize for anything that we may spoil, but other than that, Let's talk about the episode. Yay. So, uh, as per usual, I'll kick it off to you to get us started. What's uh, I mean, we we have the 21st episode of the season. We have, I think, two episodes left. Three. We tw- well, 23 and 24, I think we're a two parter.
2: Do you so, want to do it together again like we did for season one?
1: Yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably do it together uh, for season one uh, like okay. we did for season one. But okay. so I, I think. Only two episodes left, then, if that's the case, uh, two or three, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but another echo backstory this time around. What do you, where do you want to start with this topic with this episode?
2: So, before I go on to my first point, before I start off with my first point, I just want to say that I actually picked up a little piece of kind of cool trivia about this episode. Um, when I was doing my prep earlier today. And this episode was actually written with the intention of Darren Afronowski to direct it. Did you know that? It
1: has a little bit of that feel to it. So it doesn't surprise me to be honest, but that's a really cool piece that they meant for it to happen.
2: Yeah. So they wanted to do it and he was really into it, but he had to bow out because he had just had his first child and, he chose to stay home with his family, then do this episode. But yeah, it definitely has that trippy, uh, dreamy kind of quality to it that I think that he would have really kind of sunk his teeth into. And it's kind of fun to think about, like, how would this episode have been different had he done that?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you look at some of the movies that, you know, Darren has done before from, you know, the wrestler requiem for a dream and and stuff like that. It it does have a little bit of that feel to it. So I, I, while I didn't know that and I like the fact that you brought that up, it doesn't surprise me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that anybody that has seen this episode, they would be like, oh, yeah, I could totally see that. And for anybody that doesn't know who that uh, director is, he did Requiem for a Dream. He did Mother uh, and he Black Swan,
1: the wrestler, Black
2: Swan. Thank you. And the wrestler. He's an incredible director, just very, very different. And he's he was married to Helena Bonham Carter, who is wonderful.
1: Oh, that I did not know.
2: Yeah, that's who we had a kid with. He, they were married for a really long time. They got divorced recently, but or not recently, but in the past whatever years. But they have like two or three children together. Okay. And now, you know, now I
1: know. <laughs> now I'm in the know. We
2: barely talked about loss. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's all right. It's still early. We're only a couple minutes into the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So and anybody um, who listens knows we are trained to rails a lot.
2: But it's always interesting.
1: It is. And at least it's not talking about something else that you and I mentioned. (laughs) Another podcast doing a rant on. But anyway, I digress.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Um, You're hilarious. (laughs) So let's start off and talk about John Locke. Okay, because I think as much as this is an echo story, that this is also a John Locke story. Do you agree?
1: I agree with that completely.
2: And it's it, it dawns on me that with this um, with this episode, you really see how far gone John is. He he was where Echo is right now, right? Echo has this renewed faith. He is, he's become the man of faith. It's almost like Locke has become the man of science or not the man of science, but just the man of tangible evidence. You know, he think he's in this real weird downward spiral right now. Like Ben has gotten into his crawl really bad yes. and he doesn't believe, not only does he believe in the Island anymore, he doesn't even believe in himself. And, I think towards the end of this episode, he was starting to, he was starting to reignite that faith again. Would you agree or would you, do you think no?
1: No, I I do agree with you. And that's a very interesting point because that's actually one of the notes I wanted to make sure I brought up in this. Um, You're right. We do see what feels like uh, a broken faith in, uh, you know, in Locke and, broken as one of the overarching themes of this episode, which we'll, we'll dive into a little bit later uh, as we as we progress forward. But we see a broken faith in Locke and a revigored fa- not reinvigorated faith in Echo, because he's kind of always had it as long as he's been on that island. Um, but we actually do see in this episode, I think when you see that spark of faith actually really hit Echo, uh, which is that Part of his flashback at the end when he gets the visit by that, the the child that had died. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the, the point I was uh,
2: – Oh, you mean oh, – oh, in Australia.
1: I'll in Australia, Yes. Right before he's about right. to get on the plane. Uh, you know, he gets the, the visit from – I think her name was Elizabeth. And, you know, she had the vision about – Yemi, and you know how
2: oh no, Charlotte was Charlotte. Okay, um, I
1: -hmm. was Yeah, I couldn't remember, I didn't all the notes I have on her, I didn't write her name once in my notes. Uh, (laughs) go figure, but uh, I wrote her father's name down, but I didn't write her name. Um, so yeah, so what we'll talk about that in a little bit anyway. But the point I was trying to make is I had a theory about Echo, and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on it. In that we've kind of talked about in the past how, you know, we have these chosen few from the island, the ones that the island has chosen, but everybody else seems to play a part in progressing their story, you know, and then once the island is done with them, it eliminates them, it gets rid of them, like whether they they're killed off or they're, they're released, whatever. What do you think about the idea of Echo's purpose on that island being the one to restore John's faith that,
2: oh, thats such a good question. That's his
1: per- That could be his purpose on the island because we do see, like you said, it kind of re- it kind of it reignites a spark and lock by the end of this episode a little bit. But who better than to restore John's faith than a man of faith?
2: Well, you know, and I'll take, I'll I'll go, I'll go one further on that one. You know, I love that they had the backstory with Echo be about him actually kind of coming to his faith, you know, with this story with Charlotte and her saying, hey, you know, I saw yummy and he says this and that and this and that. And then he actually believes in the miracle when he didn't believe before. And it's kind of like, you see that journey that he goes through in Australia and then it directly mirrors the journey that he kind of takes John on. you know, Because when you think about John Locke, when you think about John Locke, the last time he was in that spot, he was with Boone and he was injured. He couldn't use his legs. And he sent Boone up that cliff. And he thought that that was the exact right thing that he needed to do at that time because the island wanted him to see what was in that plane. And he couldn't get up there, so he sent Boone. So this time he has a dream. His faith is crushed, right? And And Echo is all about following whatever that dream was. And John was injured at the time, so he couldn't go up the cliff, but he also really didn't want Echo to go up either. And so it's kind of like we've come full circle on John Locke and his faith and this place that seems to be kind of like the epicenter of, of, of his arc so far. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's funny, too, because I noticed something upon my second watch of this episode when you talk about, you know, John's dream when they're outside of the plane. There is a big clue in that dream for anybody who watches it the first time that it's not Echo's dream. It's John dreaming he's Echo, because if you notice when John is approaching the cliff following Yemi, Echo has a limp.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that either time, but I um I read that somewhere and I said, "Oh, that's interesting. I love it when they do details yeah. like that. That's really really cool." Yeah. It's there's an attention to detail in this show that I think is unparalleled to a lot of other oh, shows. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, and we'll get to. There's another. I I know you said last time. Last time we recorded, you don't really. Pay attention to it, uh, how you miss the the numbers on the top of the cop cars. But there's another big numbers reference in this episode as well.
2: Is it the log?
1: No, oh. it's not. We'll get to it. We'll get to is it.
2: it. Is it Echo's passport number? It's a,
1: it's Echo's passport. It's not his passport <laughs> number. I um, uh, might as well just bring it up since we're already on it now. Um, <laughs> his His birth date on his passport is the 23rd of August, 1964. 23 being one of the numbers August being the eighth oh, month of the year yeah. uh his the date of um that the passport was issued uh the 16th of April 2004 so 16 April being the fourth month uh and the yeah. expiration date the 15th of April 2004. so out of that series the only number not represented was 42 but 4 8 15 16. Um, oh, and then and, and 23 are all represented in those three dates on the passport.
2: Wait, when were when was the passport issued?
1: The, the passport was issued on the 16th of April, 2004. And the expiration was the 15th of April, 2014. Oh, okay. So the years don't really matter. It's more the 23rd of August, the 16th of April, and the 15th of, of April.
2: Right, right, right. No, I was just thinking... There were two fours, forty-two. Anyways,
1: I trust me. I looked, I, like I looked at like how old is Echo, and like maybe he's forty-two. <laughs> but, trust me, I examined it looking for that forty-two, but I couldn't find it. So yeah. if if any of our listeners can look at it and find the forty-two in there somewhere, please, Des. let us know. Yeah, Des, Steve, maybe. Um, yeah, you know, if anybody else can find it, let us know. But yeah, I couldn't find it. But it was fun to see the numbers represented yet again.
2: In the episode, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, well, uh, going back to Locke, I just, um, it's it it's just really interesting to me that, you know, we we're now seeing Locke kind of at rock bottom on the island here. Um, you know, he goes on that, on that horrible speech where he says, you know, that that he feels that he's rats in a maze with no cheese, and that he, um that he's had this pathetic, useless life and there's nothing to him and, and he, he's not worth anything. And, and you just, he can't help but feel so bad for Locke because this entire season has been people manipulating Locke for the benefit of themselves. yeah, And you finally see that kind of coming to, coming to a climax in this episode. And I'm so grateful that, they have echo in injected into Locke's story right now, because I do think that it does bring him back into kind of what he's supposed to be doing. And there's something really great about that. Well, I mean, you even look at,
1: you know, the, 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 the evidence that Locke's faith has been broken. I mean, when you, when they come across the plane and you, you know, have Locke telling the whole story to echo about it, like, and he says about Boone, You know, when Echo says who was in the plane and he says Boone and he says to Echo, he was the necessary sacrifice that the island asked for or however he words it. But even when he says that, you can tell even he doesn't believe it anymore.
2: Oh, he hates it. Yeah, he's he's just totally, totally annoyed with the fact that he actually is saying those words. He's like. Yep, the island wanted it. Fuck the island. Like that. You can almost hear him saying that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 you're right. It's kind of heartbreaking to kind of watch him go through this, realizing that everything he's kind of believed. He just doesn't believe anymore because you're right. He's been Mm -hmm. nothing but manipulated uh, up until this point. So everything he's done, he thought was for a purpose, kind of doesn't really have a purpose. Or at least that's what he believes at this point.
2: Right. Poor. But
1: I mean, how. Poor (laughs) Locke. I know. But But how weird is it as a viewer to know that he's having a dream of Echo's brother, somebody he's never met before? And Echo immediately knows just by looking in John's face after he wakes up that that was who it was.
2: You know, I wonder if there was a sense of jealousy also with Locke in this episode that Echo has all this faith and he's getting kind of validated for his faith through Locke's dreams and through, you know, his motions. Like, you know, he brought an axe and and John's like, why do you have an axe? He goes, I don't know, but I have it. Well, where are you going? I don't know, but you're going to take me. Yeah. You know, oh, your map's not to scale. Is this a river? It's a wavy line. You know, I mean, even, little things like that where where, even half a season ago, John would be like, yeah, that's a river. Let's go look at that river. And he's like, no, that's a wavy line. I don't know what it is. I, you well, know, it's all from memory.
1: Well, he went from somebody who, you know, pretty much had saw a message in everything to believing nothing at all. Right. Right. Man of faith to nihilist. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, it's two extreme, extreme sides. And you're right. It's, you know, it's kind of tough to come back from that. But Echo's purpose, I believe, you know, going back to what I said before is that I I kind of feel like this was Echo's purpose was to kind of restore the faith in Locke.
2: And you know what? I, I, I like it if that's what it is. I just I wish that Echo was with us longer.
1: Well, I mean. But I think it can also be argued that, yes, while there's a spark in in John, his faith is not completely restored because we do get the whole tirade that he goes through once they're down in the pearl.
2: Oh, absolutely. No, this this journey isn't over for him at all. I completely agree with you. This isn't over at all, but it's just you kind of got that feeling that you saw old Locke shining through when Echo was telling that story of how he got there and what Yemi meant to his story and how he got the cross back on his necklace in the exact same spot that, you know, Yemi was taking John and Echo, you know, it's hard to deny those things. And, and I think that John needed to know concretely that there was a purpose and maybe that's what Echo was doing. Like he was giving him his, the reason for why he should trust in the island in a concrete way that John needed. He he needed something tangible. Yeah. In this moment. Yeah. Cuz Ben Ben basically stripped him of that with his own manipulation of him in the hatch.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, n- no doubt about that in my mind. I mean, all the manipulation that he went through, you know, all the, leading up to you know, his escape with Michael. I mean, I think in part, not only does has he lost his faith, but I think a large part of John at this point is blaming himself for the death of two people. Mm. Because if not for him trusting Ben, this might not have happened. You know, if he took if he I don't know. Every- I
2: think that Michael would have killed Locke. Well... Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, yeah, we he talked about know that last, last time. Right. And 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 of course, nobody knows that it's Michael that did it at this point. But I mean, I don't think that Locke even realized well, that his life has been saved. Yeah. You know, that his life was saved by saying, Oh, like, I'll go with you to the beach. I haven't left the hatch in days and I'm on crutches. But yeah, let's go to the beach, all of us together, because that makes sense.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, and well, not only that, too, but I mean, because yeah, because you're right, because last episode, we got that whole thing of, you know, Locke realizing he made a mistake. And I think that kind of goes into partly him blaming himself a little bit, because if had he not said we all need to go to the beach. Now, granted, I still think there is truth that if if John was the one that was there, John would be dead right now Uh, because Michael would have killed whoever was in the hatch to get Ben out. But that, but that doesn't mean that John's not blaming himself.
2: Oh, right. Look, you know if you, I mean? excuse me, if you blame yourself for something that happens to somebody that you know, it, that doesn't go away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we know that there, there's a little bit, like you said, there's a little bit of a spark of John's faith left. And we're going to get a restoration of John's faith before this season is over. Unfortunately, it's going to take a major incident to bring it back.
2: An incident, you say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes.
1: An incident. It's I use that word specifically. It's going to take an incident, an incident
2: to bring back you his say. faith. <laughs>
1: Because there is a particular line and it it sticks out in my head right now of just of him saying, I don't remember who he says it to, but it's that look on his face when he says, I was wrong. And we're going to get to talk about that in about a week or two. So I
2: think he says it um, to Echo.
1: I think he does say it to Echo. I think (laughs) you're right. Um, But yeah, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting when we get to that point. You're right. We've seen the spark. We'll see the restoration Within the next couple episodes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um, why don't you
2: tell me about one of your points?
1: Well, I think you'll have fun with this one.
2: Oh, good! Is it about um, Jack and what a dick he is? It is. Yay! It is, um, <laughs> and
1: it even says my note in particular in my notes. Uh,
2: Say it. Sing specifically, it specifically. Sing it.
1: Sawyer's heart of gold versus Jack being a dick.
2: Jack is the worst.
1: <laughs> and ja- and the word dick is in capital letters because <laughs> he's a major major dick this episode now that's not to say it has nothing to do with him saving libby's life at no that's wrong it kind of does a little bit there's the particular scene where you know michael says is there anything you know is there anything that you can do and he says, no, the bleeding stopped. That, that's a bad thing. I don't have what I need. And he looks at Sawyer. Sawyer says, why are you looking at me? You know, I gave you all the medicine. And it's because Jack needs the heroin. And it's pretty much just to set her at ease while she passes. Him sending Kate. So, I mean, uh, let's back up a second. When Sawyer <laughs> knows that the heroin is needed. He doesn't hesitate and say, what are you going to give me for it? You know, in typical Sawyer faction faction, Sawyer knows this is a life or death situation. He's not going to be a dick. He's going to go get the heroin. Of course, he knows. He knows
2: when it's okay to be a human. Like he's got that in him.
1: So you get that moment when Sawyer's like, oh, he's got a heart. He's going to go get this heroin. He's going to say he's going to put Libby at ease. Who comes around to be the dick? Jack. Jack. Sending Kate with Sawyer. Old reliable. So yes. So that and, and Sawyer hits the nail on the head when he says to Kate, it's either I give up, you know, it's it's either I give up the location of my stash or Libby suffers. What a dick. You're going to hold her well-being responsible to uh, you're going to hold it can't ransom to get something that you want. I'm sorry, F you. That's horrible. Right. Jack is a deplorable human being in this episode.
2: No, I totally agree with you. I actually, this is my sentence. Jack leverages Libby's suffering with finding Sawyer's stash. Kind of a dick move, but both guys are dicks, so it's par for the course. <laughs> well, I mean, but how does that make,
1: well, Sawyer's a dick
2: for keeping all that Exa- stuff. And that's why I said both guys are dicks, but okay. I completely agree with what you're saying because you're just... it. But there was another moment, too, other than this. So let's circle back to this in just a second, because earlier in the episode, he said when Locke and Echo are about to leave and Sawyer is the one that said, hey, man, hey, Daniel Boone. Yeah. Who's going to watch over (laughs) Libby while you're out tromping in the woods? Hello, you're a doctor. Why don't you do your job here? You know, and I, like Sora is the only one that seems to be thinking rationally in a crisis ever. But I mean, I'm so glad he was in the hatch during this time. Um, oh,
1: me too, because things would have turned out very different. Oh, they would
2: have been way different. But Jack says to Echo and Locke, uh, you're going to come back here and we're going to make the decision about what you do, what what we're, what happens next together. And I thought to myself, hmm, let's see, Jack, if you were out there, would you come back to say, hey, Locke, let's discuss this and decide what we're going to do next? No, no, you would not. You would not. You'd be like, well, well, Locke, we were in a life and death situation and I make the final call and I don't care what you have to say. But, he's out of it now because he has to uh, be a doctor and now he doesn't want to lose control of that situation, which he obviously is. So now going into this Libby situation, he needs to exert some kind of control and power over the situation that he has now lost control of. And I think that that's in part why he did that with Kate and with Sawyer by saying, Kate's going to go with you. um, And then Sawyer, Sawyer all of a sudden, knew, of course, what Jack was doing, like you said, and you know, for Jack to say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Of course that's what I'm doing. I need the guns, because it's all about the guns. So, your friend is dead, your your other friend is dying and choking on blood, and all you can think about is finding Sawyer's stash?
3: Yeah,
1: you know... We have a good sense of Jack's priorities at this point.
2: Yeah, and it's control. Yeah. I think, at least.
1: No, I I agree with you. It is control. I Mm -hmm. mean, I'm sorry to any listeners out there who are big Jack fans, but I'd like to hear any of them defend this because I don't think there is a defense of this. I've defended Jack in the past for some of the stuff that he's done, but to me, this is a deplorable action.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: I mean, And, you know, the fact that Sawyer was... Without hesitation, I'll be back in 20 minutes.
2: But we, you like, know what? It, we have, we've talked about this with Sawyer over the past now two seasons. When the stakes are really high, Sawyer springs into action. He protects his people. He doesn't give a damn about himself or his livelihood or how he's going to fare. He knows exactly what to do and when to do it. And it it's like kind of innate, innate with him. Would you agree I'm gonna, with that? I'm gonna,
1: i'm gonna agree with that completely and i'm gonna bring up one situation i'm not gonna go into detail but i'm just gonna say uh jack or sawyer and the helicopter
2: yeah 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 oh gosh yes prime example percent mm-hmm.
1: anybody wow. who's seen the series knows exactly the scene i'm talking about
2: yeah because i was you know, thinking it, about when they were on the beach it was it was a long time it was um a previous episode, but they were on the beach and Sawyer sprang into action when he didn't have to. And it's escaping me now, but we brought it up when we covered that episode. Um, and I think it had something to do with Charlie or Claire, or something like that. But he was like, he was on the outs with everybody and they all hated him at the moment. And he still sprang into action and he was there for everybody else in that moment. Because I, I love that that's his character. Like he he's a very he's like a lone wolf and he kind of does what he wants to do and he's charming and he's gotten away with it. And he likes to pretend that he's a dick, but at the heart of it, he is a really, really good guy. And he has a tender heart. Whereas with Jack, he likes to pretend that he's the hero and that he's out for everybody and that he's a one love kind of guy. But at the heart of it, he's an asshole.
1: Yeah. Agree. One hundred percent. And it's just, it, it's funny because the more we progress into this series, and the more we start to analyze it—not just the scenes and the episodes, but the characters—you know, my first viewing of this series, John Locke has always been my favorite. Jock, and, John, and Ben, <laughs> Jock, Jock. Um, <laughs> John Locke, and Ben have been two of my favorite characters every time I watch through this series, and I don't think that will ever change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Jack was somebody who was high on that list for a while, even my first view through even higher than Sawyer. But the more I watch this series and the more we're actually analyzing it now, Jack tends to fall further and further down the list. Yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't have his moments,
2: which he does. Uh, he absolutely does. The second half of this series, he really kind of pulls through when there's when a big he... switch flipped. Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, let's face it, he is not, he's not a leader, you know, leadership, leadership is a big deal in a situation like this. And he's proved time and time again that he's not a leader. And it's really interesting to me that he continues to be a leader.
1: Is he is he really though, or is it just kind of fallen into habit at this point to go? Yeah, to
2: I don't know, but I mean the other the other survivors, they're like, oh, have you seen Jack? Well, what does Jack think about this? Well, we should talk to Jack. And you're like, why? Saeed has proven to be uh, more of a level head. Uh, Sawyer, I know you hate him, but he has proved to be a level head. Kate's Kate seems to know what she's talking about. Uh, Locke. While he wouldn't want to lead, he seems to be a good leader by example. I mean, there's a bunch of leaders out there. Why is it Jack? Why does it have to be the guy that needs to just kind of be a doctor when they need a doctor? Because they need a doctor a lot. They get into some shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they do. Yeah. And 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 I got to tell you,
2: a lot of them die on his watch.
1: Boone died on his watch. Libby died on his watch.
2: Well, Anna yeah. Lucia was already dead, so
1: <laughs> there, there was really oh, yeah, there was no way there's
2: to There's also that. the uh the uh, um the bounty Marshall? hunter or whatever. Yeah, thank you, the marshal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're right. A lot of people have died. To- <laughs> he's just he's not he's kind, of a, he's kind of a shitty doctor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe he should go hiking.
1: <laughs> no, he's not he's not a bad doctor. He's actually a really well Respected doctor in in his yeah, and spoiler
2: alert. But spoiler alert, he manages to save Ben. He manages to save the asshole. Well, but also who knows? And again, this goes into me like
1: defending Jack when there's a reason to defend Jack. He he saves Ben because he's in an actual OR. He has the means to do it, and the people that he's lost on the island, he's he's only going with what he's working with.
2: Hey, John Wick killed people with a pencil. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) <laughs> oh i love the
1: john wick reference in this episode that's great hey as long as there's not a dog killed we're good vincent's still alive so there's no reason to create a john wick on the island um you know one of the other things <laughs> while we're talking about the whole stash situation and everything one of the things i loved about Sawyer and this episode, other than what we've already talked about, is the fact that it is a brilliant move to hide the stash in plain sight. Because that's about as in leaves plain leaves sight tent, as And you now can. we
2: know. Well, now we know why he doesn't leave his tent.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's sitting on his stash. It's not out in the jungle anywhere where anybody can find it. It's right there. And not only is it brilliant because it, he never leaves his tent, but who is going to go into Sawyer's tent when Sawyer's not in there with everybody else watching? He's got that reputation now where if anybody went into his tent while he wasn't in it, they would immediately kind of cringe and be like, oh, that's not some place you need to be," or "That's not some place you should be." Right.
2: Right. Well, so, he, yeah, he's created a good a good image for himself. He also I made I made a note that maybe what he should have done is go into his tent and been like, hang on, I got to grab something. He goes in and he grabs the heroin or or whatever he needs to grab. And then he puts in a backpack. He's like, OK, let's go. And then he goes to the jungle and he pretends to find the stash. And he's like, oh, I got it right here. And then nobody ever knows.
1: That's actually really smart. I just think he had other I'm stuff. I'm diabolical. On his <laughs> <laughs> I just think he had other stuff on his mind like saving Libby to kind of figure out. Oh, you mean that,
2: like that you mean that he was a human in this yes, moment. Yes,
1: Exactly. <laughs> he felt that there was something more important than hiding the location of his stash.
2: Yeah. Somebody should punch Jack in the face.
1: Uh I'm pretty sure he gets punched a number of times before this is over. Good. I'd yeah. like a
2: turn. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Well, that um, was what, that was what I was gonna bring up next was Jack. So what else do you okay. have?
1: Well, I, I one of the things I wanted to bring up, and we've talked a little bit about this in past episodes. You know, there's the big hubbub about the reasons why Cynthia Watros and um, you know, Michelle Rodriguez left the series. And we've kind of put the kibosh on the whole, because we both know that they got DUIs, and not only did they both get DUIs, but I just recently read they got DUIs within 15 minutes of each other. They were both <laughs> got DUIs and arrested for DUIs within 15 minutes of each other in the same night. So that's a little odd. And I mean, so we, we do know we, we kind of already put to bed the fact that Michelle Rodriguez was not written off the show because of the DUI. And the more I watch the series, I don't think that's true of Cynthia Watros either. I think this was the direction her character was meant to go. Because if they were writing her off, why keep her alive?
2: Yeah, so I read. I went deep, deep into Reddit earlier today, and um, there there was a hu- there was a really good subreddit thread on this, on on her exit and kind of Hurley as a character and what it meant for Hurley to have love versus not have love. It was back when, like Reddit, I guess, was respectful because it was a really rich and detailed and great discussion.
1: <laughs> Reddit Reddit uh, was respectful at some
2: point. It was. It was amazing. Like I I kept having to say, what what am I reading? I'm reading Reddit. I'm reading Reddit. (laughs) It was like really strange. But um, you know, they Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cruz, they they talked about the fact that they wanted to they wanted to keep They wanted to keep the Libby character, but with the direction that they were planning on going in season three and all the characters that were had these upcoming um, massive arcs, they didn't have room for her. And so they said we she had no more direction as a character, unfortunately. So they had to end her character because they couldn't they couldn't fit her into the season three agenda.
1: Yeah. Use use her death to progress to further progress an already developed character in Hurley. Would probably be yeah, and, the way they went.
2: Well, then there was this big discussion. And I'll try and find you the link and I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes or you can put it on the Facebook page um, or wherever. But they were talking about how – and this is a big spoiler again. So if you don't want spoilers, just fast forward a little bit. But they were talking about Hurley, right? Hurley being the protector of the island and how all the other protectors in the past – they had been alone, and does loneliness drive you to that insanity, or do you need to be the right person? Will you ever find love again as a protector of the island? Should you find love versus whether or not that clouds your judgment? And I just it was like this really cool discussion about like leadership and love and and kind of how that could interact and and um, conflict with with island mentality, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, you could kind of, you know, going along that route, you know, like we said, we kind of said that all these side characters of the people who weren't chosen were people who had a purpose. And maybe you're right, maybe in that sense of the loneliness and being alone, maybe that was one of the reasons why the island kind of had a means for, for Libby to go away, because it needed to drive Hurley to that loneliness at the
2: end. You know, well, when you think about it, Saeed, he fell in love on the island and he never loved again. Yeah, uh, Sawyer fell in love on the island and well, that's
1: different. <laughs> yeah, but he
2: never loved again.
1: Um, um, well, not only that, I mean, you and you had two characters in Jin and Sun who were in yep. love with each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, you get rid of them both. Spoiler alert! Sorry. Um, You know, but even going along the Hurley route, you know, Libby. You could
2: even talk about Claire and Charlie.
1: Yeah, well, I was actually going to go Hurley and Charlie as well because they developed a very strong friendship, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you have a strong friendship like that, you're never alone because you have somebody Mm -hmm. in your life. So what better way? You have this one character who's tied to Claire and tied to Hurley. What do you do with him? You eliminate him.
2: Right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's just so sad, but it's so true.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it, you're right. I th- and
2: it's kind of like what they did to Ben too.
1: Oh. Oh, oh my God. With um, not yep. not Danielle. With uh, what's his daughter's name? No. Nope. Um, Alex. With Alex. Yeah.
2: Which is one of the most heartbreaking. That's that pieces. is a
1: horrible scene.
2: Yeah, it's awful. But it it goes it goes to our point, right? Yes. And I mean, you but. We could probably spend an entire we could probably spend the next ten minutes bringing up, you know point after point after point when it comes to this specific storyline and this <laughs> this specific um aspect, right? You,
1: yeah, Oh, yeah. The, do you want to hear if you had your uh, your home improvement story? Do you want to hear a funny story on my end real quick? Yeah, so the actor that plays the the soldier that kills Alex uh, later on, I think it's in season four um his name is kevin his name (laughs) is is
2: spoiler filled (laughs) i know wait
1: we got a warning at the beginning because people are well aware at this (laughs) point um i his the actor's name is kevin durand i've actually had him on my podcast twice he is a he is a fantastic guy he's a great actor and the first time i had him on i started the interview with uh before we go any further i just have to say that you sir are an asshole And he started laughing and he's like, why? He's like, I'm just going to say lost and Alex. And he started laughing because he knew immediately what I was going for. (laughs) (laughs) He knew exactly what I was talking about. And it was that moment because he does it without any hesitation and no remorse. It is diabolical.
2: Yeah, it's awful.
1: But we're going. Yeah, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, Yeah,
2: I know. So it's still fun. It is. It is.
1: Um, again, we we put the warning out there in the beginning. That's the reason why we do it. Uh, so I talked yeah. a little bit about the whole Cynthia Watros thing, and you kind of backed up my point that it's not mm-hmm. she wasn't written off the show because of the DUI. Because look, if you're going to have somebody stay alive between the two of those characters, if you're writing off Cynthia Watros, but Michelle Rodriguez's character was supposed to go this way, why not keep Ana Lucia and do that with Ana Lucia and just get rid of Cynthia Watros? Right, so, and we see them both come back later on in season six. Yeah, right, right. So,
2: gosh, she had such a painful death, Libby.
1: The oh my god, her her fi- after she says Michael, which bravo to Jack for picking up on that tender nugget. Um, no, oh, he's fine. He's here. He's safe. He's Shut
2: fine. Up. We're not. We're we're not going to let you say your last words. I'm going to talk over you. Yeah, exactly. like a dick. <laughs>
1: We're we're so bad on Jack this episode. Um, <laughs> well, he didn't do anything good. No, not at all. But the the look of like pure shock and horror on her face as she dies is mm-hmm. heart wrenching. I know. I don't even. I, I'm I'm saving the last four minutes of that episode for like the very end of this discussion. So before oh, okay. before we get into that, because it's. Some of the it's some of the hardest stuff to watch of this season, those last four minutes.
2: I didn't watch it the second time, I just turned it off. It's it's rough.
1: It's really rough. But so before we go back to that, I'll turn it back over to you. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up?
2: Yeah, let's talk about that Pearl video, man. Yes,
1: because there's something in it I wanted to bring up, but you go first.
2: Okay, good, because <laughs> oh no, no, no. No, you go first.
1: But I don't want to take. I don't, don't want to take away your point if it's what it is.
2: Is it the end of the video?
1: I don't know. By what do you mean by end of the video? There's mention of something in the video. That is, is it.
2: The ferry yes. and the barracks. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> I never picked up on that until these watches. Me
2: neither. Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. And I wrote it down. I was like, "What is happening?"
1: <laughs> when he says the ferry will take, you, will pick you up to take you back to the barracks, there's huge implications that there is a second island, which we do not find out until next season.
2: It's so cool. Yep. It's so cool that they did that. And you know what? And like nobody picks it up.
1: No, I mean, nobody
2: picks it up. Yeah,
1: it's I love the fact that that little Easter egg was in there and it further drives the point that we have been making to the people out there who said the writers had no idea where they were going with this show. Screw you. Yes, they did.
2: Right. I totally agree. Oh, and so. So this guy's name has changed every time. Yeah, so. It's clearly like, I, I, but see, here's the deal. Why? Why is it changing? Why is his name changing? Because if they're all part of the Dharma Initiative, then they know this guy and they know that this isn't his name.
1: Right? I, I, guess so i think there's also well i mean you look at the people it's
2: like pro- prosthetic arm in one he doesn't in the other he's got different names he's got different agendas he's wearing different clothes his hair is different well you look at you look at the
1: hatches so there's the people in the pearl are one thing because they are people that can leave and they're taken back to the barracks they're only there for a certain period of time you look at the people in the the swan hatch and they're meant to purposely stay in there so i could see them using a different name for the people in the swan because then if there's research uh, a particular name isn't mentioned but why change your name for the pearl because you're just going to go back to the barracks and see this guy anyway right so that's the point by that the you fairy yeah that's the point that you were making so it's one thing for the swan it's something different for the pearl because, as we find out further, we're going to see him again a number of times, and every time you see him, he uses a different name.
2: Yeah. So I'm just any yeah, his parents is different, his job seems to be different, and it's interesting because you know I can see how depending on the frame of mind that you're in by taking in this video, right? Echo is seeing this as, hey, these other these other stations, what they they know that this is what they know the reason for what they're doing and they believe what they're doing is very important your job is not to know what they're doing your job is just to watch them yeah. record them you know and send us your findings what what he's not saying is don't be clouded by what they're supposed to be doing just watch them as people watch their behaviors right everybody has a purpose for something Locke sees it as oh they believe that it's important and oh there's cameras on here so clearly we're you know we're rats in a cage and we're you know these lab rats or whatever when really you know it's it's such a it's such a stark contrast of two different mindsets. And it's kind of, you see Echo where John used to be and you see John in the state that he's in now. And I think it's really brought forward and it's come up to kind of the surface of how far gone John is by putting him next to Echo in front of this video. It was brilliant writing, great storytelling.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, it it was, I mean, you know, we we've kind of made mention earlier about how, you know, Echo is the man of faith now and it's kind of a way to ignite to reignite that in John. But you're right. That there's such a contrast between these two characters that when you watch the two of them together, not only is it so intriguing and so encapsulating to watch, but it's it it makes it n- as impossible to not see the stark difference between the two because it is so great. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it is that great of a difference between the two.
2: So. Yeah, and and I love that that the finding the hatch and the pearl video and and the discovery just of these two men, just them discovering this this particular station, this Dharma station. Um, I love the way that it played out, and I I, I just hats off to the showrunners and to the writers because it it really showed us. Um the devolvement of of John Locke at this stage in season two. And, and,
1: you know, going back to that scene and everything, too, and going back to a, a little bit of what you said about reigniting that spark in John, there actually is a particular line in that scene that really speaks to that. And it's after they kind of reveal that the hatch is there and they go to open it, John says the echo, can I do the honors of opening the door to the
2: hatch? Oh, yeah. Even
1: though they both open it together, both doors, because they're so damn heavy. You know, John (laughs) still is the one that asks if he could do it. And Echo's the one that lets him do it because he kind of sees that in John. Like, okay, he's starting to come around again. So Echo lets him be the one to open the door.
2: When Echo's not a proud man, he's a very humble and modest man at this point in his character arc. So he's more than willing to get out of the way and let other people, you know, seize moments for themselves. And he gets, you can tell that the character of echo, he gets his enjoyment and his energy from watching other people succeed and be happy. And that's, that's a really cool character trait that um, is, is portrayed really well by Adawalla Willawalla. (laughs) That's his name. I said it right.
0: Oh God.
2: (laughs) No, that's
1: not his name at all. But I Adawala
2: appre- Willowwala.
1: I uh, I totally appreciate the effort that you put into that because it was pretty damn close. And while not exactly, still very humorous. So I appreciate the effort. It's an A
2: plus for effort. Shut up. What is his name? You say <laughs> it's, it. it. It's Adawala. It. It. It's Adawale Aquino. I, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds well, exactly the same. Attawalla walla, walla, willowala walla, I said this. Walla walla ding ding.
1: <laughs> You're so ridiculous.
2: Chick, chick, chickity, chick, pop. That's the way it'll be. <laughs> We're
1: never We're getting him on this podcast like now.
2: Like <laughs> Two birds of a feather. Oh. Shubop bop shoo-wada-wada, youp doo doop <laughs>
1: <laughs> the more you talk, the more you throw away any chance we've ever had of having them on this podcast.
2: No, of Walla Willow Walla, he'll, he'll come on. We've said a lot oh. of nice things about him. It's oh, fine.
1: God, I'm sweating. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> oh, you are ridiculous.
2: I just snort Seriously. laugh.
1: So, you, know. <laughs> you are ridiculous. <laughs> oh, anyway.
2: He's a really good actor.
1: <laughs> our apologies to Odewale Akinyo. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. And to our listeners at this point.
2: <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> oh, if there's I'm ever sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. We'll edit this out. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) We don't edit anything out. Most of the time we don't edit anything out. I love the fact that this is staying in because this is going to (laughs) become this is this is how podcasting should be. It should be completely natural. And that's why I, I unless it's like a coughing fit or somebody dealing with kids or somebody in the background i will (laughs) not not take any that
2: i've ever had to pause it (laughs) oh no
1: never you've never had to pause it to (laughs) yell at your kids um at least not tonight you haven't had to do it um i keep things as natural as possible and it's for moments like this
2: (laughs) and i do it tears running down my face (laughs) right now uh
1: let's continue on (sighs)
2: <sighs> okay, where um, are we?
1: Well, I want to I want to kind of switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about Richard Mulkin.
2: Oh, good because that was the last that was my last point. So that's exciting.
1: Okay, so I'm I want to see how your opinion on how you look at this because we do have that okay. scene where Echo goes to to talk to his wife Joyce and. Uh, you know, and visit Charlotte about the whole coming back to life miracle. And, um, Richard approaches echo and flat out says, you know, like it's because my wife is a zealot. She's trying to get back at me because I'm a fraud. I fraud people. I, I pretend to be a psychic. I do my research in people and, and I exploit I exploit them for this. And I make money off of that. How did you initially view this? Because I can see this as there's one of two ways this can be viewed. It's either he is really a fraud and he's completely telling the truth and everything that he did with Claire was completely by chance or is he really this way but lying to Echo to make sure Echo gets on that plane? Because if if he stays there to investigate Charlotte, he's going to miss that plane. But if he tells him that there's no miracle, there's nothing to see here, his trip resumes and he's back on that flight.
2: Yeah, so I have a lot of the same questions um, that I. So here's what I have said: Father of daughter who was resurrected, psychic for Claire that told her to go to L.A. Two people that are directly related to him getting on that plane. Was he sending Claire on a fool's errand to L.A.? Did he have a vision, or did or or did he think this was the only way for Claire to keep the baby? Um, so, so or did he have? Do you do you have you ever seen Harry Potter? Oh yeah. A number okay. of times. So um the fortune teller, uh, Madame Trelloway. Okay. So she wasn't a very good uh fortune teller. She she wasn't good at at um the visions and the prophecies. However, and everybody knew it. She was kind of a farce, right? She was employed there because her parents were were very great and they were good prophecy people and um, Dumbledore had a soft spot for her and kept her an employee there, blah, blah, blah. However, she had one amazing, she had the prophecy of all prophecies and the vision of all visions when it came to Harry Potter. She didn't know it was happening. You know, she touched him, she, something came into her, she said the prophecy, and then she's like, and, and then she like kind of forgot about it. Like it it was channeled through her. So I kind of have the same thought about this psychic is that, Maybe he is a fraud. Maybe he is, he runs like a con man, but it has to come from somewhere, right? So maybe he has had one or two visions in the past. Maybe this was a vision that he had or a feeling that he had. Cause all of a sudden he needed Claire to get on that plane. Now, is it because he, there, there was a theory out there that there's a deleted scene that, somebody came up to him and gave him sixteen thousand dollars to get Claire on that plane to tell her that there was a family in LA for her because she gave because he gave Claire six thousand dollars and paid for the plane ticket and got her on that plane. So there is a there is a theory that there's a deleted scene that is out there in the ether that exists about that. So if that is true, if that is the direction of the story, then he is a fraud which means did somebody approach him about Echo? Maybe somebody told him, you need to get him on the plane, right? I don't care how you do it, get him on the plane. Or is he in fact psychic? And he knew uh, or that the island or Jacob or whoever channeled through him and gave him a vision to get Echo and Claire on the plane. And he was that that medium, that, that, that channel for those two particular characters? I don't know, because that's a question that was never answered. And I think I'm confusing myself as I speak. Am I making any <laughs> sense? No, you are. I mean,
1: and I think, you know, when you look at it that way, if you consider that that deleted scene actually exists, then this, this whole situation could be It could go any different direction. It could Mm -hmm. be that somebody, you know, it could be the fact that he was a psychic and saw that Claire needed to be on that plane and because of that also knew that Echo needed to be on that plane. You could approach it as in that deleted scene exists. Somebody gave him the money and got Claire on the plane and somebody also approached him to get Echo on the plane or it could be a combination of, you know, that somebody approached him to get Claire on the plane and the fact that Echo was on that plane is purely coincidental. You know because he's admitting that he's Mm -hmm. a fraud so you know and there really was no miracle so it it could be a combination of any of these things and i think the ambiguity of that will kind of maybe i I think that kind of is what gives people the the indication that the writers didn't know what they were doing there's too many unanswered questions but as somebody like me who's a viewer who looks at it that way? I find that intriguing. I don't find that bothersome.
2: No, no, no. I agree. I yeah. like
1: the fact that that makes me think.
2: You like the ambiguity of it.
1: Yeah, I like the fact that that makes me think. You know, I I like intelligent television intelligent intelligent television.
2: Yeah, I can like get on board with that. I agree.
1: So I, I'd be interested to see if that deleted scene actually does exist, and if there's a possibility of seeing it anywhere.
2: Yeah, it's weird that it's still a rumor all these years later. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's yeah, interesting. I, though. Yeah, I have the same. I have the same questions, though. Okay, all
1: right. Well, that was really the only thing <sighs> I kind of wanted to bring up about that was, you know, how does that? Uh, how does that play in your head? But you kind of have the same questions that I do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we kind of talk about those last couple minutes? We'll just talk episode? about, yeah,
2: talk about the last couple of minutes. Go for it.
1: Um, the last four minutes of this episode are really heart-wrenching. And there's two particular things that stand out in my mind when it comes to this. We've already talked about Libby's last word of, of saying Michael. <clears throat> but for me, there there are two points to these last four minutes. The first one and the hardest one. Hurley. I'm sorry I forgot the blankets. I
2: know. I know.
1: I'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it because poor Hurley. Like seriously. Like him apologizing to Libby. Like if that doesn't scream, I blame myself for what happened to you. There's not a short of him saying it flat out. I don't know what else does.
2: Well, and we know but, what happened to him the last time he blamed himself for the the deck falling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to drive him down a hole. Mhm. You know, of of self of, you know, lack of self-worth and and everything, and it's a horrible place to be for anybody, whether it's a real-life person or a television character. So seeing Hurley go through that and just knowing that that's coming is so hard to watch. It seriously is. But the other thing that happens in that four minutes, and this kind of goes into one of my final notes, too, of particular cinematography of this episode. There are three particular scenes that really stand out. One of them is when the directors attached the camera to the tail of the plane so that when John and Echo were pushing the plane, that shot followed them. I thought that was... I thought that was a really cool shot uh, of the scene uh, of of the episode. Um, I love the shot of the close up of Michael standing against the wall in the cell.
2: Mm -hmm. I thought
1: that is a great looking shot. Agreed. But the final point, and this is my final point of the entire discussion, um, and then I'll turn it over to you if you have anything left. But the scene we I mentioned earlier on about how there is a. Little bit of a theme of broken people in this. There is that scene where the camera starts at the broken statue of the Virgin Mary, and then the focus changes to Kate in oh, the background.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: A broken statue to a broken person is mm-hmm. a beautiful transition because Kate is broken at this point. She's yeah, like, she's had reason. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah exactly so that shot tied to what the message of that shot is like i said a broken statue to a broken person is a sad but beautiful transition and i loved it
2: yeah i agree i agree i thought kate's reaction was beautiful and very human unlike jack who is not human and a dick well
1: look was look at who was there to comfort kate
2: it wasn't jack It was our favorite cowboy.
1: (laughs) 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 But I mean, again, like Sawyer showing he has a heart. You know,
2: Mm -hmm. he's a good guy. He's a good guy. That's Sawyer.
1: (laughs) Who's a good boy?
2: Who's a good good boy?
1: boy? Uh, Any final notes on your end about anything from this episode? No, I'm good. So that pretty much covers it for
2: you, too. Yes, sir.
1: Good deal. So uh, next week, we are going to be talking about uh, oh, crud, what is the name of the episode? Um, three minutes. Three minutes. That's right. I got and you. I, be- I believe it's a Michael flashback, but yes. I think a flashback on the island. I don't think it's a flashback to before the island. I think it's a flashback to everything that he's been through. Before coming back to the hatch, I think I could be wrong about that, but I we'll think find you're out correct.
2: I know that I've seen the the episode description, and I think that you're correct, although it there could be, you know, flashbacks of Michael and more flashbacks of Michael. I think at this point it's a little too much Michael after he just committed double homicide, but you know what? <laughs> That's not for me to say. yeah. Um, and I think
1: if if I remember correctly, I think it's I also think it's the return of Walt. Or is that not until the finale?
2: I don't think that's till the finale.
1: Okay. Yeah, because the finale is Live Together, Die Alone, which oh I can't wait till we talk about that. Oh, that's a good one. It's such a great finale. So that we'll be coming to that too. But We have some feedback to get to from some of our listeners. Uh, As always, we have a email from our buddy Des and a voicemail from our buddy Steve. So uh, which do you want to go to first? Do you want to play Steve's voicemail or do you want to read Des's email?
2: Um, Let's play Steve's voicemail. Uh,
1: All right. Switch it up this week. Okay. So as we mentioned, our buddy Steve leaves us a voicemail pretty much every week. So here is our voicemail from our buddy Steve.
3: Hello, Christian and Ben. This is Steve, and this is for her. I guess that's what we're calling this episode of Lost. I loved the the, the line and Echo bring the axe. I thought that was really great. The look on Michael's face when Libby coughed up the blood was just was just priceless. Even though it was quick as it was, um, I thought it was interesting that Echo lied about going to track Ben. He knew he wasn't. They weren't going to do that. He was just taking John, getting John out of there to take him to the question mark. a lot of dreams in this episode, and isn't it interesting, I, I noticed this, I didn't notice it the first time, uh, I rewatched it the, this time, when I watched it, the episode this time, in the dream where Locke dreams that he's Echo, he's limping. Ah. When he's walking before he starts to climb up the side of the, the thing, ah. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and Remy <laughs> sitting in the wheelchair, at the top of the the bluff and uh, the psychic revealing that he's not really a psychic does that mean do you think that there actually were some adoptive parents in LA or is that some sort of weird misdirect I know I looked up on IMDB that we don't see that psychic guy again in the series so we really only get him in these two episodes raised by another and this one so it's, it's interesting that in, in Raised by, by another, the implication is that he really is a psychic and he knew that the plane was going to crash and that Claire was going to or should have raised her baby. But it, it, I'm just wrapping my head around this, is making me have a headache. So um <laughs> going to wrap it up with that. Um, but it was also interesting that when John flashed his flashlight around after seeing Jack on the monitor, he sees a camera monitoring that hatch. And we know there are six stations, but there are more than six monitors. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh-huh. talk to you later.
2: What else are they paying attention to? Yeah. And did you see that Jack, like Jack's like looking behind his shoulder as he walks? Like he's acting shady when nobody's even looking at him?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and going back to another point that Steven made as well, um, you know, in relation to the Echo Lock dynamic, you know, when he said that, you know, Echo is the one that's going out to track Ben, says he's going out to track Ben, but that's not really why he's going out. That's very similar to Locke when Locke was that way, too with everything that happened with Boone going to that going to the hatch was that he was telling people he was doing one thing, but doing something completely different.
2: Well, and what's funny is that Boone was really angry with Locke about doing the same thing to him that Echo is doing to John in this episode. I mean, both of those episodes really mirror each other. It's very it's it. You know, the more you talk about it, the more you realize, whoa, this is like full circle on John.
1: Well, I think it might be one of the reasons, too, why Echo headbutts him to knock him out. And John's not exactly mad about that when he wakes up. It's kind of like, I probably I think I might have deserved that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had that coming.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: So, uh, but but thanks, Steve, for that. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. It's so good to
2: hear your voice, friend.
1: Yes, absolutely. Every week that we get the voicemail from him is great. Yeah. Uh, But that leaves us with a piece of email from uh, our buddy Dez. So why don't you go ahead and read that?
2: Hey, Ben and Kristen. Some random observations about... er (laughs) And I'll try not to be a dick this week. (laughs) I love him. While John was having his dream about Yummy and Echo, it dawned on me, had the man in black already chosen Locke to be his vessel? Am I late to the game on this? I'm pretty sure that after Smokey and John's first encounter, (laughs) man in black has been, oh, man in black. Oh my gosh, Kristen. (laughs) Man in black has been leading him down the path to that lonely motel room. Too many spoilers? No. Not not after this week. Not after this episode. You're (laughs) fine, buddy. (laughs) Every time I rewatch this episode, I forget that Libby isn't dead yet, and I freak out just as much as Sawyer did. I did too. I forgot. There is one thing that always bothers me with this episode. Echoes Monsieur. He was the guy that used to ask everyone, What do you want on your tombstone in the old pizza commercials? <laughs> oh takes my me God. Out of- I forgot about that. So did I. What do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> Pepperoni and sausage. Uh, it takes me out of the story every time. One last thing. I am almost certain that Kristen was raging this episode about Jack and the way that he used heroin to get the guns. All right, dude, you just calm down. I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was raging too.
2: I was pissed at first too, but then I realized Jack was actually giving Sawyer the benefit of the doubt. No. no he he knew that he wouldn't let Libby suffer. He knows Sawyer is not a lost cause and he let him prove it here. Mic drop. No, 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 no. Des no Des. Nope. No Des. Des. He just he just used the fact that he knew that Sawyer wouldn't let Libby uh suffer. He knew that, that would happen and he he um He capitalized on that moment. He did not give him the benefit of the doubt. He didn't say, oh, well, he's a really good guy, so he's going to do it. No, he just said, you know what? I could finally get the guns as I twirl my mustache and say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As I twirl my
2: mustache. (laughs) I'm just picturing
1: that particular thing. Matthew Fox is just twirling a handlebar mustache at the end. It works. I promise it you, it works. <laughs> it
2: does.
1: Uh, yeah, it's. I don't. I don't see how there was any way he was giving Sawyer the benefit of the doubt. Giving Sawyer yeah. the benefit of the doubt would have been letting him walk out after he said, "I'll be back in twenty minutes," without exactly. saying a word.
2: Just go get the heroin and come yep. back.
1: Yeah, that's that's your way of proving. That's your way of letting Sawyer prove he's a decent human being. Is Especially since go out. Sawyer,
2: like when he looked at Sawyer, Sawyer looks at him. He's like, "I gave you everything I have. I'll, I'll, you know, I would give you more if I could." And he, and and you believe him in that moment. Sawyer is well, the good guy in this. Des, not Jack. Well, don't mic I don't, drop. And now I'm mic dropping you. <laughs> well, I mean, and you're
1: right because uh, you know Sawyer does say that without any hesitation. He's like, "I gave you everything I got." He's not thinking that heroin is used as a medicinal purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, he's thinking I have medicine. I gave him all of it. He's not thinking about that, that kind of stretch of that, of using the heroin. He just sees heroin as a drug. So everything Mm -hmm. that he's saying, he firmly believes. He gave him everything. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. You know, so, yeah, there's pick that mic back up, Des, because that was. Dust it off. (laughs) And hold on to it because you ain't that wasn't proven nothing. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, because I raged about it too. Uh, but we welcome. But anyway, thanks, Des, for the for the feedback. We always appreciate it. Always, we kind of butt heads about it. But uh, the whole tombstone pizza guy reference, uh, bravo! Because that's I,
2: fantastic.
1: I completely forgot about that. So, uh, but on top of that, we encourage all of our listeners to leave us feedback. Uh, whenever you feel the need, uh, and we encourage it. So there are multiple ways you could do that. First and foremost, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lost Revisited.
2: We are on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod.
1: You can send us an email at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com.
2: And if you'd like to leave a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Uh, But I think that just about wraps it up for the topic
1: uh, of this episode, as I said, next week, we're on the penultimate with three minutes, which is a Michael focused episode. But outside of this, anything you want to kind of bring up this week or talk about? Watch we, uh...
2: Stranger Things season three. <laughs> do it. Do it right I now. I need to do press it stop and go. Go watch it.
1: Don't press stop. There's only like five minutes left. So finish right. this and then wait go till watch this is
2: done. Three. Then go watch it. <laughs> if you didn't already press stop.
1: Yeah, if you already pressed stop, you're not hearing any of this. So don't press stop again
2: <laughs> now that right. you're coming
1: back to it. Uh, you know, it's we talk about Matthew Fox and Jack, and, and I actually watched a movie last week that I completely forgot he was even in. Uh, and that's I watched uh, Speed Racer, which he plays Racer X in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to no surprise, kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs>
2: maybe that's just what he does maybe you know it's like in his wheelhouse like edward norton does that
1: well i mean i'm sure matthew fox is a great guy in person jack is just maybe (laughs) maybe yeah
2: Yeah. (laughs) well i mean you never know right we don't know anybody really except keanu reeves is perfect um but yeah i mean i i don't know how matthew fox is I don't, I don't know either. Anyway, Stranger Things Stranger Things was phenomenal. I highly recommend it, especially if you're just um I'm not on social media anymore. I um I think well, I say that. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I quit the Facebook game, but um I heard that there are spoilers out there for uh season 3 of Stranger Things and I'm so sad of anybody that was spoiled because that really sucks. Um but watch it anyways because it's amazing it is amazing and
1: i have been successfully so far avoiding those spoilers but i only got a couple more days because i'm almost done re-watching season two and then i'll jump into season three and i'll knock it out within like a day or two i'll be cool it'll be done So cool, 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 cool. cool. But yeah, other than that, I mean, check out some of the other podcasts on next level as well. The DC podcast that we're doing. And I know you and I are going to put our heads together to possibly come up with another fun podcast to do together uh, sometime in the near future. And what else? As far as the network goes, there's always new stuff popping up. There's going to be one, two, three new podcasts popping up sometime in the next couple months. So Really, really excited about that, too.
2: And I just spoke with Christina today. She said that they were um, going to record another piece of the puzzle um, in the next couple of days. So that podcast is still going strong. Yeah,
1: I'm excited, too. I'm glad that that I know it took a little bit of a break. But uh, yeah, I'm glad that it's going to be coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think then, then that just about wraps it up for...
2: Oh, wait. And we have Steve Brown. Steve Brown has a podcast. Oh, Panels to Pixels. Panels
1: to Pixels with him and our uh, our friend Mark Kirkman as well.
2: Yes. Uh, and Watch
1: it. And we- Listen to it. <laughs> watch it. Don't watch it. You can't watch it. Um, but I actually just found out from Mark, too, that they're going to be getting new artwork for their podcast, like the logo and everything is going to be changing soon. So, uh, And they have, oh, cool. and they have Good a professional artist doing it. And I know the artist. So they're going to get a pretty awesome new logo when it when it comes out.
2: That so. is wonderful news. I'm so glad to hear that. Good for them. Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, oh,
2: one last thing on my
1: end. We have that bad twin book. We've got to figure out a way to give it away. So oh, yeah. you and I got to put our heads together and, and figure out how to do it. Uh, but we we welcome recommendations from our listeners as well on how we should give that book away. So yeah, uh, let us know. I'm, I'm into it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode of We Have to Go Back. Uh, until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care.
2: Bye-bye.